other companies can learn is um, is really getting back to why we're here, who is supporting us, and then supporting them, you know, more than probably most companies do in, in day-to-day. Kelly, it is wonderful to have you here on Leadtail TV. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, Brian. Me too. I know we have a um, a bit in common, uh, a mutual uh, relationship through your your CEO at Telemerne, and and I'm also excited just to talk more about what you guys do. But I'd love to kick this off with uh, a little bit more about your career and what brought you to where you're at. Um, what led you to the current role from the other roles that you've led? Yeah, well, I had um, I had been with Avaya for about fourteen years. Um, really long career there. Didn't really have any um, interest in leaving. But I will tell you, I did realize probably about I don't know eight or nine years in that um, I started to feel like I needed more purpose um, in the work that I was doing. I knew I had the skill to be able to you know write and and communicate and messaging and all that and. While Avaya was always very supportive of me and my career trajectory, especially being um, a work from home mom and uh, and and telecommuter, which was really unheard of back then. Um, as I said, I think there was just this pull to do something more that had more meaning, where I could see a direct connection. I didn't think that would maybe exist within um, for profit B two B, and then. I had a CMO come in who was uh, looking to um, build up the sales funnel. And we put out an RFP and um, the team brought us back this little company in Arizona called Televerde. Um, Sales and marketing company specializing in inside sales and demand generation um, doesn't really kind of turn your head, not particularly sexy, but I found out that the business model, um, they had had a mostly incarcerated workforce. Um, so this was a company that was hiring women who are in prison and teaching them business acumen, the art of sales and marketing, the hard and soft skills needed to be competitive in the labor force. And while they were working for Televerde, they were really building a professional network. Um, I really couldn't believe something like that existed. Uh, I love the fact that we brought them in to um, as an extension of our sales team and they outperformed. Uh, which was really important because you can have a partner that is really altruistic, but if they're not driving the right results for your business, you know, it's it's not going to work. And uh, Televerde worked at every level. So I never thought I would have the opportunity to work directly for them. Um, they're based in Phoenix. I'm on the East Coast with no intention of moving. Um, but I did have this opportunity to come over to them in 2018 and lead their communications group, which I didn't bat an eye. I just uh, packed my virtual bag, so to speak, and and off I went. And uh, now I'm coming up on my fifth year there. No regrets. Wow, fifth year! I didn't realize it was that long. That's incredible. I'm uh, I'm curious to to hear what um, I mean. Obviously, this is such a unique model. Um, what do you think makes the model work? It was, um, our founder was ministering to women at the Arizona women's prison. And, um, 
what he kind of saw was women leaving who he thought were in a really good place to kind of reclaim that independence and come back to prison. And he thought uh, part of the reason was that they weren't able to get good jobs. They wouldn't, weren't uh, qualified for meaningful work. So he thought if he could teach them sales and marketing skills, they would have jobs um, and they would be able to support their families when they came out. So that's kind of what um, sparked uh, Televerde. And then, of course, our first CEO came in. He had a, a tech background. He was a former IBM executive and he just loved it. And he he thought the tech sec sector was right for this type of model because um, they were more open to non-traditional paths to learning, um, which would be very helpful when the women got out. I think the the CEO he was uh, he was the one that grew the company, Jim Hooker. I think he said it best. And um, he we did a TEDx at Perryville the year I joined, but before I joined, um, and he had given the keynote address and. One thing he talked about, he used the term they had a captive audience. And um, what that really means is, uh, first of all, you have these women who are really eager to change the trajectory of their lives. So for whatever reason, what, when they got into prison and they saw Televerde, they saw Televerde as their hope, um, their ability to create a better future, reclaim their independence, enter the job market, take care of their families, all of that. Um, but you also have women who not only do they have this kind of insatiable desire to learn, they also don't have any competing priorities. So it just creates this kind of perfect environment where they come in and they're really able to consume everything that they're learning because they don't have to pick up anyone at soccer. Um, they, they don't have, you know, they're not, there's nothing else vying for their time and attention while they're in there. So they can consume as much information as we give them. And when they get out in the market, quite frankly, they know more than most people uh, who have been in their jobs for 15, 20 years. I could tell you working at Avaya, when we brought them in, I had been probably about 12 years at Avaya at that point, and uh, they knew more than me about our products. And our CLO at the time said, if our salespeople knew our products and services the way that they did, we would have revenue growth quarter after quarter. So um, I do think um, where they are just makes for um, just it's the perfect environment to learn, but it's certainly not the environment to learn that one would think of, right? Um, so it was it's pretty fortunate how it all came together, and it did come together very altruistically. It brings up so many questions. Uh, one is internally, and the other one is externally. Um, what what I'd love to to know is just where um, where how how you believe trust was built because trust is one of those things that you have to build from the inside out in any company, let alone a company that's on a platform of, um, of how you built it, uh, with the, with the people that you have, how was, how do you believe trust, uh, was created, um, and is continued to be created that helps the company to thrive and survive? Trust goes both ways, right? So I think in order for the leadership team to earn the trust of the workers, um, you have to be transparent. Um, and you have to be available to them and you have to show that you have their support, particularly you have to do that with any workforce, but particularly in this workforce where there's, they're coming to you with distrust, um, because they're in an environment where outside of our centers, our Televerde centers in the prison, there isn't trust and they're treated very differently than they are when they're in the center. I, I know for me, I'll speak to me coming from high tech into this space, um, what I didn't realize was I had gotten to a place in my career 
where I wasn't really seeing, um, as a communications person, I wasn't really seeing the people. I wasn't considering the impact of messaging anymore. And um, I that that is one thing that we do really well um, that I think other companies can learn is um, is really getting back to why we're here, who is supporting us, and then supporting them, you know, more than probably most companies do in day to day. And, um, you know, there, for us, there's never just a communication goes out. There's communication, there's talking points, there's meetings, there's smaller meetings. Um, so we're constantly looking for ways to have kind of that two-way communication. And when you do that, when you're transparent, um, and when you're actively listening and giving them, giving your employees a chance to provide their own feedback and their thoughts, you earn trust. Um, and it's both ways. They trust you. And, and the more you interact with them, the more you trust. So is really getting back to why entered communications in the first place. You know, I think I kind of forgot why it was there. And I just kind of became like this hired hand, like it was very robot, like almost like a robot, like, oh, I got to get another communication out. There's another downsizing here, there, you know, and not even kind of thinking about the magnitude of even the people, not only the people leaving, but the people staying and how are they feeling about these changes and who's supporting them through it. Um, so that's something that we do very differently here, especially under uh, our new CEO, especially he is, um, he really prioritizes uh, the written word and he's communicating, you know, going out to the prisons all the time, which is so important. So they see him, he's pulling up a chair, just saying, hey, tell me what's going on with you. What are you working on? And then um, the com weekly communications to them, giving them updates about what he did each week. And um, it matters a lot. And uh, we see it in the feedback and how they respond to him. That's so amazing that, these basic things that you would think that most companies are doing are doing you're doing it extraordinarily well with people that need it the most and um and i would i would venture to say that communications is one of those things that all employees everywhere strive to to desire um and that you know you've taken a a, a great idea and turned it into a model that should be replicated um is do you see it kind of that way or is it just you know unique to your situation um, well, I I hope that we're having impact at least with the people who work who are working for us, and then mm -hmm. they decide to go on to another company. Um, that mm -hmm. it kind of has that that ripple effect. I know for me, if there were for whatever reason, if I moved on from this job and went to another job, I would. I you know, I'm changed. I'm a different mm -hmm. type of communicator, and I think I, um, you know, thinking about the people first. Um, and thinking about them as human beings. I mean, it's hard to believe that for so long you can kind of get in that way where all you're focused on is this sound good. And it's like, yeah, it sounds good, but how does it land? How is it going to land, you know? Um, and when you start thinking in terms of that um, and you start going the extra mile, it really, uh, it really does wonders. And, you know, with our own clients too, when we have clients go out to the prison and they meet with the women, they all talk about the same thing. It's like life-changing in a sense that um, their perceptions of prison change. You know, you can almost, when you take them out to the prison and they meet with the women, you can see the stigma of incarceration that they may have held. It completely disappears. Um, but they also always talk about the culture, like, wow, if we had that culture in our company, what we could do. You know, people talk about wanting to bottle it. Um, and I, I, And even within the 
the center itself with the support that the women give to one another. Um, I've never seen that in another company either, where it's like kind of dog eat dog and very competitive. And there is a spirited competition that they have. But if somebody makes it, uh, if somebody gets a sales lead, it's always about here's what I did, here's how you could do it, and this kind of working together in order to um, in order to get ahead. And uh, that's pretty special as well. What do you say to the companies, the 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 potential client or the the company out there that that is like, whoa, that's a that's a bit much for us. Like we don't know how we could ever trust that that model. Like that could work for us. Like we are a public company. We're we have to make sure that we have our eyes dotted, our T's crossed. One thing goes wrong and and we're off in the, you know, into a different direction than we want to be. And obviously you guys have 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 are not that, but what what would you say in that situation? Well, look, I think any employee that we hire comes with risks, whether they they have whether they have a criminal past or not. Uh, it comes at risk. I mean, people fall on hard times, um, and even the most moral person uh, could come up against a situation in life that makes he or she do something that they wouldn't have nor- that they wouldn't have thought to do the week before, the month before, the year before. Um, so there's always risk. Um, but I do know that um, over the past couple of years, organizations such as the Society of Human Resource Management, uh, Charles Koch Institute, have done a lot of work. Um, on research and they've released data that show that um, men and women with a criminal background aren't any higher risk, as I said, than any other employee. Um, and actually, they um, a number, I think it's like almost 80% of HR professionals have said that they're actually better workers than people who don't have a criminal past because they so value the opportunity that you're giving them um, that they want to work hard um, they want to do a good job. And I think the one thing, you know, not just for themselves, um, because they know that they're in a position to kind of change the societal stigma of men and women with the criminal background. So that weighs on them too. And that's something we talk a lot about at Televerde is that, look, the work here that we're doing is much bigger than any one of us. And the opportunity we have to not only create more opportunities for young girls and young women who may find themselves in prison one day, um, but also uh, creating more opportunities for women when they get out of prison and kind of changing uh, hearts and minds as it relates to this talent pool so that more companies are willing to hire from this talent pool. And we've seen companies um, really becoming advocates over the last five years or so. And, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase, you know, you can't get much more conservative than that, right? And uh, Jamie Dimon is a huge advocate of second chance hiring, and he's always talking about it. And I mentioned Charles Koch and Richard Branson. Um, you know, we, you know, our clients, SAP, um, Adobe, White, uh, Vertica, they are all hiring our women direct when they get out of prison because of their talent and their skills and what the diverse perspectives, too, that they bring to the organization. So I think once... Once business leaders and companies experience it, they get it and they see that this has been a blind spot that they weren't aware of. Um, and, you know, again, to, to quote our first CEO, uh, one of his lines during in that TED talk was, um, you know, to discard a person for the rest of his and her life for a decision they made on the worst day of their life is a waste of potential. 
And it's very true. Uh, and that's what we found. Oh, my God. My, my God. You, the goosebumps just went all over the place. It's so... Um... It's, that was so, that's so heartwarming uh, to hear and and to to know in the world that this is being uh, created. And I can only imagine from a communication standpoint how how difficult it might be. And I'm 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 making an assumption here to to explain all this to <laughs> to share this and be like, this is what we're up to. These are the results we're getting. And yes, it works. Like, is it, it's, it can't be that simple. It's probably a, the most, one of the also the most rewarding and the most challenging jobs I would imagine. Well, it is hard, especially in, you know, Twitter, 150 words, people want you to get to the point kind of quickly. Um, but what, what, are, what we've seen is the one um, tool that we have that's very effective is we take job candidates and prospects and our clients out to the prisons so they can meet with the women. Now, we can't do that with everybody. Um, and what we, when we take them out there, we take about seven, eight women, put them in a, in a room, and there's a round table where the women share their personal stories and their journeys of transformation with Televerde. This is very effective because, first of all, it gives context a lot of times for how people wind up in prison. Um, and then it's talking about the power of the second chance investment and how it's enabling these women, many women for the first time, to ever have any type of support or resources in order to find and fulfill their own human potential, which, you know, that's, you know, that, that doesn't speak very highly of, you know, society, that we're just kind of discarding people from certain neighborhoods or on certain, you know, lower, uh, lower means, you know, um, type communities. So, um that's very impactful. So what we're doing now as a marketing team is we're taking those roundtables and we're creating them virtually. And they're going to live on our website to increase transparency and to allow people to come there and just sit with one of the women um, from, you know, and listen to their stories, you know, in seven, eight minutes, nine minutes, and um, just hear their journeys. Um, and I think when people are able to meet with them and hear the women tell their stories and talk about the power of second chances and what it's allowing them to accomplish, how it's allowing them to believe in themselves, how it's impacting the relationships that they have with their parents, their children, their siblings. Um, you know, I can't do anything more in writing than that, right? Um, so it's that is pretty impactful when you can hear from the women themselves. Um, and, you know, we have stories. We have women coming out that are walking into six-figure jobs. Um, so it, it speaks to um, how the knowledge that they accumulate and just how good they are as business professionals. Oh, my God. Um, it, it's like uh, one, of those, uh, one of those places where you just feel like you're, you're sitting on a, a hidden gold mine and yet, um, you know, and, and you're 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 helping so many people and you're the best kept secret it, it you know it's it's just like imagine where this could go and what it could do in so many different ways i kind of want to uh, get into the the marketing side of what you do as well uh, because there's a technical side of what you would never really 
think of to this company. Like it's it's got creativity and tech, technical uh, aspects and, and skill sets that are normally um, not easy to hire for uh, at a company and at, at any company. And yet you've bottled and you have to quote you a bottle bottled it up and and enabled them to learn and educate and and do better work than most. I'm curious about that skill set and how it's gained or how it, if there's any insights that you can share about that. Yeah. Well, when the women come in, um, they go through what uh, they call a boot camp. Um, so that's really where they learn the um, what Televerde does, who we are, who our customer is. So they're, um, they learn all the different aspects of the business um, so they can understand many of them. It's the first time working in a professional environment like that. Most do come to us um, having just a series of low-skill, low-wage jobs under their belt. So it's the first time for many of them to work in kind of this corporate setting. Um, and we also have a robust training program for each of our client campaigns um, where the women are assigned and then they learn, um, you know, through trainers um, and, you know, working with the with the client to really kind of understand the products and the uh, services that they're going to be selling in their discussions um, with C-suite leaders. And we also have um, a nonprofit, uh, which is Televerde Foundation. So we rolled that out in the middle of COVID. I think it was March or June, uh, March, March or April of 2020. And uh, the Televerde Foundation is great because I always say it picks up where the business leaves off. So there's only so much that we can do from a business. And the Televerde Foundation comes in and they uh, they provide the women with more skills like certification and access to higher level um, college courses and all of that. And um, also the life skills piece, uh, financial literacy, integrating back into family. So all that stuff that's so important to really ensure uh, a smooth, healthy, and long-term transition um, once they re-enter society. So that's been incredibly helpful. And what's what's amazing about Televerde Foundation is it was originally launched to support the women working for Televerde. Um, but Michelle Sirocco, who's follow this, the Televerde's chief impact officer, and she's also the executive director of Televerde Foundation, and she's also a 22-year graduate of the program. So she began her career inside Perryville Prison. Um, at the time, I think it was the Arizona Women's Prison. I'm not sure where it was located. So she's well aware of what women need when they get out of prison. Um, and she designed this program working with ASU, WP Carey, uh, career readiness, job placement, and all of that. And she also extended it beyond the women of Televerde to be able to impact more women who don't work for us while they're in prison but giving them the skills and the certification and the job placement support that they need when they get out of prison. So um, it's been really extraordinary. We're already set up in Arizona and she's opening up uh, workforce development centers in Indiana as well as Florida. Um, and I know there are plans to expand even more across the United States. So that's really powerful as well. So the women are getting a lot of support, a lot of training, and a lot of access to uh, the education that they need in order to build and grow their careers. 
I'm I'm flabbergasted. This is just like one of the most amazing things I've ever heard in my life. Um, and and I'm gonna I want to ask kind of a, a a direct question. And I, I maybe it's maybe it's just obvious, but is it are are women just more uh, more um, accountable than men, or, or is there a, a reason here that we're not going into men's prisons and doing the same thing, or is the, the answer quite obvious and right in front of us? We get asked that question a lot, so we're not um, we're not not agreeable to go into prisons. I think what uh, a couple reasons is one is we started, you know, the our founder he he just started in women's prison, and you kind of continue what you know. Um, so I think that that was that's been very much in play. Um, it's also like when you have, when you operate centers inside prison facilities as a, as a company, we're responsible to hire people to go in. And again, you're talking about societal stigma. It's a lot harder to find people who are willing to go into men's prisons versus women's prisons. Um, so that's another piece of it. Um, but also, you know, as, as Michelle, Michelle would talk about, um, too, is a lot of the programs in prison are geared more towards male-dominated careers. Now, that's not to say that there aren't women who want to be plumbers or electricians or any of those types of programs that they offer. Um, but most of the programs, um, they, they're they more for male-dominated trades. Um, so knowing that there's such a lack of programs that lead to meaningful careers for women after prison, I think that's one of the reasons also um, why we just kind of stayed in this area. But I can tell you, we talk about um, providing life-changing opportunities to disempower communities. And I can tell you that we are looking at uh, expanding into men's prison facilities. I know that the foundation definitely is. Kelly, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing yourself, your story, your company, your 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 past, your history, everything with us today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed being here. Oh.